Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we're back with episode 54 as we have a special guest, TD, Tom Duran. Uh, he is everything New York Rangers. Uh, he's a self-proclaimed expert in the field of the New York Rangers, especially in, in the draft picks and just overall uh, with signings and trades. And for those who listened to last, week, last week's podcast, uh, we discussed the trade um, that we both liked uh, with Dvorak and the, the Arizona Coyotes and New York Rangers. Um, that was TD's trade, and uh, he hits me with those probably throughout the season. Uh, we don't always see eye-to-eye with the future of this team, but I think with the the overall picture, we're both on the same page that Rangers have uh, needs to address, and you know, there's no... There's no better season right now than the New York Rangers to discuss uh, the further rebuild since we are in year one. There's still so much to do. And we're, you know, Andy and I are happy to have TD here to, you know, just give his his take and, you know, what he sees for the future of the New York Rangers. So, TD, how's everything going and uh, how's the quarantine life? Uh, well, thanks. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Uh, quarantine life is pretty much, I'm sure, what everybody else is going through right now. Um, but you know what? Look, uh, nobody we know has cancer. You know, we're going to get through this uh, as everyone is, you know, everyone's saying we're all going to get through this and, and we are going to get through this. And you know what? Before you know it, we'll be we'll be watching hockey again, whether it be next month or the month after that, or even if it's in September and October. Well, we will be watching hockey again and we'll get back to our normal life. And for those of us who uh, who have fun getting on the ice and playing, we'll be doing that soon as well. So, uh, yeah, as far as the quarantine goes, uh, things could be worse. So can't, can't really complain. It's not like, you know, some of us are in it and some of us aren't. Everyone's in it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, before no we get started, I have one more question before we get started. How much time now do you have to spend searching the New York Rangers draft picks throughout the throughout the years? Well, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time doing it, and, and I know you know that. I, I do spend a lot of time on, on uh, Hockey DB going through the drafts of the last 20 years. Um, I really started uh, with the Glenn Sather era, and, and if, you'll, if you'll look at the history of the draft uh, by the New York Rangers since Glenn Sather got here, he has been 
very, very unsuccessful drafting. And, you know, look, part of the problem, I think, with the draft um, is that the fact that the draft is, is really only two years of eligibility, 18 and 19 years old. Um, and I never really quite understood that. Uh, if you look at the draft in, I mean, you can't really take baseball into account. They have like 40 rounds of the draft and players get drafted for, they get drafted and within two years, if they're not signed, then they go back into the draft and they can get drafted up until they're 23. Obviously football and basketball, those players don't get drafted unless they opt out early until they're done with college and with hockey, which I, I think is a very, very difficult sport to predict the future of a player, unless you're a top five pick. And, you know, obviously even some of those are busts, but it's very difficult to say what a kid at 18 uh, looks like today, what he's going to look like when he's 23, 25 years old. It's very, very hard. So I never really understood why they do that, why you don't wouldn't wait till players are, are 20 years old and, and make them draft eligible at that point, let them play a couple of years of junior or a couple of years of college. Um, but it is what it is. So it, it is very difficult to, to predict, but at the same time, the Rangers have had the opportunity to pick some players that were highly rated in central scouting and passed on them. And part of the problem that I have with what the Rangers are doing now is that they're doing the same thing that they've done in the past. They kind of like to go off the board and pick somebody who isn't necessarily touted so high. Like, like they act as almost as if they know more than everybody else does. And they did it again the last couple of years with Leah Sanderson. And we, we don't know what Leah Sanderson's going to be yet. Again, he's only 20. But he was highest he was ever rated was 15. So if you got a player who's rated 15 and you pick him at seven, that's fine. But you know what? You have to be right. And this is especially a team that, after drafting him in 17, hadn't had a, a first round pick in four years prior, because say there was trading, you know, trading away the farm to to try and win that that elusive cup. Um, and, I, and I understand that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand what he was doing. But now, if you're going to come back and you finally got yourself a draft pick, you got a first rounder at number seven that you, that you gave up, uh, you know, step on and anti Ranta and you got, you got a pretty good haul back. You got a number seven pick and you got Tony D'Angelo who looks like, you know, who's going to be a, a very, very success, a very successful NHL player for the next 10 years. Uh, that was a great trade. And I, I really, I love what, what Gordon's done as far as trades go. I think if I'm a general manager of an NHL team and my secretary says, Hey, I've got Jeff Gordon on the phone. I tell him, you know what? I'm not taking his call. The guy beats everybody in trades, but the draft obviously is so important and, and, and we'll see. I mean, obviously he's only been drafting for a few years and he did. Uh, I know he was responsible for drafting some of the really uh, successful players in Boston when he was there before he came to New York, including picking up uh, Marchant. I think like late in the second round, he picked him up. Uh, he was a GM when, when he was selected. And, and I get it. I, I realize that these guys rely on their scouts. They're not out watching these players every day. But if you're going to pick Elias Sanderson, who's ranked 15 at number seven, and you're going to pick a Vitaly Kratzoff at nine, who is rated, you know, 18 or 19, you have to be right on those because you're going off the board. You're doing what everybody else is saying don't do. And right now, and again, it's early, right now it doesn't look that good. So um, yeah. I, I think that, again, trades, very successful, and we can talk about that. Drafting for the last 20 years, and it's, it seems almost as if it's continuing now, um, not, not so good. Yeah, I know. Well, Andy is probably very more in tune with the with the New York Rangers drafting over the years. I mean, Andy, can you attest to, you know, what TD said, you know, and basically, you know, you know, you know what the objective of the Rangers obviously drafting uh, in the past, it almost felt like as a as a Ranger fan that I felt like 
it doesn't even matter who we draft because we don't develop any players. We're always looking to, you know, buy tra- players at the deadline and win our cup that way. So like I dismissed the draft for a long time, but now it seems like, you know, we're basing everything off of these players that we we are drafting and relying that we do, you know, strike gold with some of these players because, you know, I don't know. It just seems like that's the direction that the Rangers are heading in right now, hoping that we strike gold with some of these younger players and then bring in players like Panarin, which, you know, right now it's working out because we definitely, you know, overachieved this year. Andy, what what are your thoughts? No, I absolutely uh, agree with TD here in that if you look at uh, – even if you just, like you said, make it a 20-year to 15-year segment that despite maybe having some success in like the second and to fourth round, that for mostly the Rangers' first round picks have, I felt like they had a little, they had a little window possibly around between 2009 to 2012 where they, I thought they give they did good with what they had. But honestly, yeah, I, I mean, and like uh, like he said, you know, there the story coming out about uh, the front office being a little split on Leah Anderson, but and- Anders Kalor, who was their their aging head of European scouting, would as like he really wanted them to take him, and they do, and yeah, and then but and now with everything that's gone on, and again, yes, we're he's absolutely right too that we don't know what. Vitaly Kravtsov and Lee Anderson will eventually become. Uh, and I mean, you can even at least thank their lucky stars that the Rangers found a pretty good value pick in Heedle at 21 because his the trajectory he seems to be on is very promising. But yeah, you ha- you cannot miss on first rounders. And I mean, yeah, like Brady Shea at 28. I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's. I think... Miller is actually is now looking like a good pick, but obviously if you look at who was drafted around him and how long it took him to develop, like he wasn't able to help the Rangers in a meaningful way. In time, McElrath, Punt, Kreider, okay, at 19, they, they probably got that one right, but, you know, and then Delzato the year before. Luckily, they took Stepan in the second round, but uh, yeah, I mean, you absolutely have to make these count, and it's you know it's nice that they with the sending out of the letter the rangers seem committed to entering a new phase of doing things a different way but you know it's yeah it's obviously outside of Heedle's development and maybe Nils Lundqvist setting records right now uh yeah it's for the looking at this last even this last five draft segment uh yeah honestly you can look at everyone you say you can say Heedle's the only one playing uh who's the only one playing with the team and at that point right now it's almost unacceptable you know it's five years you need to you should have more to show for this than uh one player yeah and i would absolutely unacceptable i would even argue i mean even look at i mean if you look at like the the rangers right now in the past three years they've had one two they had five six first round draft picks and you really like besides heedle and maybe Kako, there's only three of those players that played an NHL game. Now, I, I, I have no idea what that is like compared to other teams who've had, you know, a similar amount of first round picks. I wouldn't imagine it would be, you know, the Boston Bruins picking that many times in the first round. But certainly, you know, the lower to middle pack teams, you know, who might have that many draft picks in, over the last three years in the first round. 
I just feel like there definitely should be more. I mean, nobody from the 2018 draft class was able to, you know, crack the NHL lineup. I just feel like there should be more to show, especially over the last three years. And, you know, TD, I know we've spoken, you know, prior to this about, you know, Capo Caco. Do you necessarily necessarily get discouraged when you see the amount of games played from the Rangers draft picks over the last three years? And you see only really three players play NHL, you know, minutes and then, you know, not see anything from 2018 class yet. Like, what are your thoughts, you know, with, you know, with the amount of NHL talent that the Rangers, you know, have right now with the last over the last three years? Because that's an easier sample size to take. Yeah, I think it's it, again. It's still very, very early. Again, you know, playing playing in the NHL at eighteen and nineteen. See, part of the problem is that they're drafting a significant amount of European players, and it's a it's just a different game that they play over there. Obviously, the bigger rink, the a lot less uh, you know hitting because of the bigger rink. There's a lot less contact. There's, it's more of a skill game in Europe, and you're bringing in these skilled players, which is great. But the adjustment, is that, you know, Capocaco is not going to be. You know, playing on a on a two hundred by hundred rink in Europe, playing forty five games a year, and having a lot of space out there, being a man among boys. He's six three. He's over two hundred pounds. He's a big kid. He's out there playing, and, and I know he's playing in a pro league, but it's still how many of those guys are playing in the NHL? They're not. They're they're playing in the pro league in Sweden because that's where they belong. If they were all, you know, and these are all adults. They're not. That's not a junior team. He's playing. He's playing on a pro team. But if those guys were good enough to play in the NHL, they'd be here. They're not playing over there because they're making more money because obviously they're not. They're making probably 10% of what players are making over here. But the, the game itself over in Europe is such a different game. And, the, and again, the Rangers continue to bring in European players. And I think that's why Hedl has struggled his first year, even though he's a big, strong kid. The adjustment to play in the NHL uh, is such a big jump. It's a big jump to come from junior hockey or to come from college. But to come from Europe where you play half as many games – on a, on, a, on a different style game with a much bigger rank, a lot more room out there, a lot more skill to come in and play the, the type of game that you play here. So I think the question, you know, if you want to talk about specifically what we can get into Kako, we talk about Leah Sanderson, for example, you have Casey Middlestat sitting right after him and Buffalo ends up taking him. He was, he was, he was ranked at, uh, in the top five most of the year. So if you have a North American kid who's playing in North America, born here, knows the, knows the language, knows the game, knows, you know, has been following the NHL his entire life. Why wouldn't you just take Casey Middlestat in that spot and say, you know what, we've, we finally got, after all these years of not even having a first-round pick, not having a, a top-10 pick since McElrath, which was obviously a total bust, and if you look at all the guys that were drafted after him, they were ranked higher than him as well. Uh, you know, Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, Cam Fowler, uh, John Klingberg, these guys were all ranked ahead of McElrath. And I think the reason why they took him, I think that at the time – uh, Tortorella was uh, was coaching the team in 2010, and and if you remember Tortorella's game, he was all about blocking shots and and playing tough in front of the net. That was his game, and I think McElrath kind of fit that mold. Which would, if the NHL stayed the way it was back then, um, he might have been a much more successful player. And and so you can't really predict what what's going to happen with the game. The game turned into a you know much more of a skill speed game. But but still a lot of toughness in the game compared to Europe. But but again, a lot different than it was was ten years ago, and you saw that when Penguins started. You know when the Penguins won their couple of cups there, back to back, and then obviously uh, um, Washington did with a lot of skill. Um, so and I think that's what the Rangers are building towards now. They're building that skill, but 
But to be building skill with these European players who, who don't know the country, don't know the language, don't know the game over here, if, to have them come over here and expect them to step into the lineup. You know, look, you look at Kratzoff, 19 years old. He played another year in Russia after he was drafted. He comes over here. He expects to be in the lineup. It's like it doesn't work that way. You've got to come over here and learn the game, play in the AHL for a year. It, it's usually only the top three or four picks that step into the league right away. Everybody else that played in the NHL in the last 20 years has played in, has played either another year or junior hockey because they can play till they're 20, sometimes two, or they go to college. Uh, and then they come up when they're 20, 21. Or, and then they go and then even they take the next step into the AHL and play there or the East Coast League. For these guys, you know, for, for a guy like Leah Sanderson who thought he was going to come over here and step into the lineup, Kratzoff thinks, oh, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to step into the lineup because I've been playing pro hockey with men. Yeah, you know what? This is a different group of guys over here playing NHL hockey right now. So um, I, I think that's a big problem. Uh, and, and again, when I you know when I talk about Leah Sanderson, why would you select a kid like that? You know, I get it. They, they thought he was going to step into the lineup and be a leader. Well, I think we all know that he's definitely not that. Um you know, the, the whole throwing a silver medal into the crowd at, at the World Junior Championships and his, uh, you know, acting, you know, a little bit like a crybaby and saying, I'm going back to Sweden. I, you know, I don't like it here. I don't think I don't think he is that leader that they think he is, which is fine. You know, we'll find a captain. We'll find another leader to be in the locker room three or four years from now when he's ready to be a star, if he is, potentially. But again, well, you have a kid like Middlestat who's playing in North America, knows the game. Why are you taking a chance, you know? Uh, the Rangers have had six top 10 picks in the last 20 years. Right now, three of them are complete busts. Blackburn, Montoya, McElrath, total bust. Then you got Leah Sanderson, Kratzoff, and now Kako. Now Kako, look, Kako is going to be who he is. We all know he's going to be a very, very good NHL player. Is he going to be a, an Austin Matthews or, or a Sidney Crosby? I, I don't personally think he is. But again, those are generational players. Uh, I think he's probably going to be a 60 to 65 point guy most of his career. and He'll, he'll be successful. Um, but if you want to compare Kako to a Patrick Line, a kid who came over here. Now, he played junior hockey over here for a year before he, he made it up to the NHL. But he scored 65 or 70 points his, his rookie year. Kako, what do you have, 26, 20, 20, 28 points? He was a minus 26. So he's a long way from being ready to play top six minutes. And they tried to, you know, they tried to force feed him top six minutes. And I don't think it worked because you can't be a, a minus 26 on a team that was a plus 12 in goals during the season. That means he's on the ice for a lot of, a lot of goals against that where he's not doing his job. And, uh, yeah. and you know, well, so. Well, I definitely think, you know, it's an organ, organization problem. I mean, look at the Rangers didn't have a first round pick for four, like four years in a row. And then in 2017, we take Anderson and Heedle. Now I just think automatically the organization feels pressure that, oh my God, we're drafting in the first round. Finally, these guys need to come up and, and be ready to go. Cause that's how, that's the status quo. You know, the, our first round pick should be an impact player, um, especially when you're drafting, you know, uh, seventh overall. And then, the you know, 18, we dropped nine, ninth overall, you know, and then obviously, you know, last year we had, you know, second overall. And that's the thing is like, is the trend turning back into players, especially European players should spend and this should be this should be definitely communicated before uh any sort of you know draft that you cho you're choosing because you do meet with these kids you interview them you you kind of find out what kind of person they are i think the rangers need to communicate to their U european players that like listen it's a different game you may think you're ready for this but you're not and we're gonna get you there and this is our plan you're gonna spend a year in hartford he this is your coach he's gonna teach you everything you need to do uh need to know uh to become a pro in north america 
and and this is this is your role in our plans for the future. And, you know, I don't think that was communicated, especially to a player like Leas Anderson, who was, you know, the first, you know, first round draft pick in five years that the Rangers were able to have. And all of a sudden he's struggling a little bit and the Rangers seem to be hesitant to to put him down into the minors. And then finally last year, it, it all imploded on them. And then you saw Kraftsoff, uh, you know, you know, take his stuff and he, he goes back to he goes back to Europe. It's just like at that at that point, it seems to me like an organiza- organization problem and not exactly a problem with the kids itself, because, I mean, this isn't 1980 anymore. This is kids have an ego. They're on social media. Um, they're they're branded a certain way within the Rangers organization. Who knows what the marketing teams is talking to them with their photo shoots and you know, throwing it on Instagram and New York Rangers, you know, Twitter page, putting out highlight videos of this is our guy, this is the future. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, now I have to go to Hartford. I was supposed to be in, you know, New York, New York. This is what they told me. Do you think that that's a problem? And this, Andy, you can chime in too. You know, do you think it's an organizational problem or, you know, a, a player problem? Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say for sure. I mean, I... It did. I mean, just it did seem like, especially coming into this year, that most of the talk made it sound like Craftsoff uh, was going to be able to step in right away. And it, it seemed that if either that's the organization putting it out there or it's them hearing that loud and clear and maybe not doing their due diligence and making sure that it's, uh, you know, that those that there's some 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 water put on that fire, you know, if they feel like it, it could potentially be an issue of expectation. You know, I understand sometimes uh, if when, especially when you have players overseas as an organization, your hands are tied because they're like, I'm not coming over here to not have playing time. You know, they whatever they feel they're ready, whether that's rightly or wrongly, you know, they're 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 speaking through their agent. They're like, I could sign another year with, uh, you know, t- uh, wherever wherever I'm playing uh, in the KHL or or Liga or SHL or what have you. So but yeah, it definitely seems like at least it's uh, between you know, between, um, yeah. So just like between, uh, you know, Kravtsov and, and Anderson, it's clear that it's, it's, you know, they're, they're, they seem like they're isolated incidents, but you know, I, you have to believe at least the, there's only one common denominator really between their scenarios and the Rangers. So yes, I believe both players were probably wrong in their expectations, but you know, I don't think the Rangers absolutely blameless in this situation. They weren't just, didn't just get unlucky twice in the same scenario. I think it's, possibly these issues kind of stem or at least born from uh, promises that were made from the organization as well. Well, I think part of the problem, I think part of the problem that's not being discussed is that look, ultimately, you know, John Davidson's president, Jeff Gordon is the general manager. Everything falls on them just like it does, you know, where we work, you know, if, if, uh, if there's a problem with, you know, within the pipeline of, of, of our industry, it's going to fall on the boss. But, they're the ones who have selected these scouts and these scouts are over in Europe and they're telling them, look, this is our guy. This is our guy. Leah Sanderson's our guy. He's a leader. I know he's, he's going to be a a great two way center. He's going to be able to play. He's a big, strong kid. He's going to be able to play in this league. You know, within the first couple of years, he's going to, he's going to slot right into that. You know, we have no, we have no depth at center, which the Rangers did not. They had, they really still don't have any depth. They have a couple, you know, that's a couple of great centers right now. But they don't have any depth at center. Um, you know, God forbid, 
you know, uh, either Strom or who's not great. I think he's he's good, but we can get into that situation later. But but Zibanejad, you know, Zibanejad ever you know missed thirty games, season's over, you know, for this team. They have no depth at center, so I think they thought that you know Anderson, the scouts are telling them that uh, that yeah, this kid's ready to play. He's ready to step in. Well. You know, where's the accountability for the scouts that then turn, you know, again, who select, talk the Rangers into selecting Anderson at seven when he was ranked at the highest he ever was, was at 15. Um, and then do the exact yeah. same thing the next year with Kratzoff. They, they go in and they select a kid from Europe. And, and again, it's, it's on the scouts. These scouts have to make sure that they get this right. You know, you can't, why bother trading off all these assets, bringing in these fantastic, I mean, what would that, five draft picks? Five first rounders in the last three years. Two, uh, no, I think we've, no, we've had three top tens. Those three top tens, that's got to be the foundation of your team for the next 12 years. It has to be. Is, is, is Capo Caco going to be that? Very well could be. Is Leah Sanderson and Vitaly Krasov going to be the foundation of your future? I don't know. It, it does, right now, it doesn't look like it. Now, look, we could all be wrong. Two years from now, you know, Anderson could be either, you know, turned into a trade for another first round pick or another player that we could really use. And Kratzoff could be, a, you know, a 40-goal scorer. Absolutely, he could be. You know, we don't know. We, we didn't see him play in Europe. We, you know, I don't have tape on him where I got to see 40 games of him playing it, you know, every shift. No, we, none of us have seen that. They have. And obviously, they saw something. But the question is, did they see enough to say, yeah, we're going off the board here. This guy's ranked at 17 or 20. We're going to take him at 9. And he's going to be a foundation guy for the team. Um, I saw a statistic the other day that was pretty interesting. Um uh, First round picks, I'm sorry, not even first round picks, drafted forwards by the New York Rangers in the last 30 years that remain with the team till their 30th birthday. How many? Oh, boy. Uh, God. Um, so any player that the Rangers drafted as a forward who stayed with the team until he was 30 years old. One. I'd... Jan Eriksson. <laughs> In 1981, he oh played in the 1981, you could sign. You could sign anybody anything you wanted. Obviously, they didn't have enough talent in their in their draft pipeline to keep a guy till his thirtieth birthday. Or they would have signed him for any amount of money. So it's not like they lost him because of the salary cap. That's only been twelve years. So it, it's just a, it's, it's it really is an indictment of their scouting, and you know the scouting going all the way back to to nineteen eighty one and all through you know obviously the worst draft in history for the New York Rangers in two thousand three when they took Hugh Jessamine and passed on the likes of. Of Getzlaff and Perry and Parisi and Dustin Brown and Brett Burns and Joe Pavelski, all at Dustin Buckle, all those guys that they passed on, David Backus. That was, you know, you don't even really hear that talked about that much unless you talk to me about it because, and I harp on it all the time because it was such a disaster. But the top 15 players drafted after you, Jessamine, have scored over 2,500 goals. He played two games in the NHL, not even for the Rangers. Those are the kinds, and again, he was drafted 12th overall. You can't miss on guys like that in a, in, a, in a strong draft like that. You can't do it, and the Rangers have done it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, well, so 
I mean, I want to transition a little bit off the draft, but this is all related to is now the Rangers are going to be facing some cap you know, problems next year. They're going to have to either make some moves or rely on a lot of these younger players that don't have a huge cap hit in order to, you know, stay under that, you know, the um, uh, stay under the cap. So, you know, where do they dance that, you know, where do they walk that line in terms of what players do they think are going to be ready to be playing? And, you know, what moves can the Rangers make to help, you know, alleviate some of that pain? Because next year we do have the Shattenkirk uh, buyout hitting the books for, uh, a larger amount, and I think yeah, Spooner so, still on, on the books. Uh, Girardi, yeah, it's not I think, a lot of money. Yeah, it's not a lot. But Valeski, even uh, even Girardi, I think has one more year at a million. But the the big one, obviously, is is Shattenkirk. Where they can now, there's two there's two factors here. Number one, if the if they don't finish the season, the cap gets reduced back down to to eighty million uh, because of the fact that they're going to lose about five billion dollars or a billion dollars a year of revenue uh, by missing the playoffs. They're talking about a couple of each team will have two compliance buyouts that don't affect your cap. Well, that's easy. You buy out Lundqvist and you buy out Stoll, and you gain yourself about thirteen million in cap space, and then it's problem solved. And if that doesn't happen, if the season resumes and the cap's where it is right now, I think you know a lot of people are talking about buying out Lundqvist. But here's the thing about Lundqvist: I don't think you have to buy him out. He knows he's not going to play. I don't think anybody else is going to sign him. He wants to retire a Ranger. Retire and forego your last year of your contract. He's an eight and a half million dollar cap hit, but his salary is only five million. Now, I'm not saying that's not a lot of money. That's a ton of money. But after taxes, it's two and a half million dollars. The guy's made over a hundred million dollars in his career just playing hockey. Probably another seventy-five million in endorsements. He owns a restaurant. He owns a clothing line. He's got a, a couple places back in, in Sweden that he owns. The guy, his, his bloodline will never have to work another day in their life if he invests his money properly. So you, you sign him to a contract and, and put him in the booth and say, look, we'll give you $6 million over the next three years. We'll make you whole on the $5 million that you're foregoing. And you retire and we'll raise your banner, you know, we'll raise your jersey to the Raptor. We'll have Henry Lundquist tonight. We'll buy you a new car. You know, and you can go out, you can go out with dignity. If you force us to, you know, to keep you hanging around here and then, and then have to move Georgia, who you don't, uh, Georgia, who you don't want to do, you want, you want, you'd love to keep him. He's, he's an RFA. You can sign him to a bridge deal. You got him and Shesterkin. If you get those two guys for the next four or five years, man, you are in really good shape. And uh, I, I think if the Rangers can convince him to retire, like I said, give him a job in the organization. Um, you know, I've seen enough of Anson Carter to know that I think Lundqvist can certainly do as good a job as he does. You know, in between periods, um, you know, Malachet might have a little something to say about it because he's you know has another building in the booth. But the bottom line is, Lundqvist really does need to step away and do it with dignity. Do it with class, you know. Eli Manning did it, you know. These other some of these other great New York athletes. You want to be that great New York athlete? That's what's really important to you. Don't force the team to, to you know, to to buy you out, and you get, you know, then you'll go play for Nashville and be a backup for one more year and taking a shot. That's not what he wants. So I think that's that's his best the best scenario for as far as the cap is concerned. Is is the and then you know then you get eight and a half million dollars uh, back in cap space, and then you can pretty much you know then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know if the Rangers would ever, you know, I, I don't know if they'll play a game of chicken, though, because I don't think the Rangers organization will have the, you know, the guts to even buy out or have those optics that you're buying out, you know, the face of your franchise for the past, you know, 15 years. 
I don't know if they'll do it. I really don't. And I've gotten so pissed off at Lundqvist because, you know, listen, I he was an unbelievable Ranger. He's probably the best overall Ranger that I've got to see growing up in like in my childhood of, you know, watching the New York Rangers. I mean, obviously you had players like Yager come through, but like overall, Henrik Lundqvist was my guy. Like that was the New York Rangers for so long. I can't stand the guy right now because of what he's become. It's become a, and I don't even really truly know his total mindset, but if he does not retire or request a trade next year, I, I'm, I don't even know if I could ever say his name again. I mean, what he, well, if, if he I sticks around, it, it could really, really mess up the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, but you know what, James? There's a there's a couple of problems with that. I, I agree with you, and that's what that's what's best for the organization. You know what? But nobody held a gun to Glenn Sather's head and said, "Sign this guy to this contract." He's you know he's entitled to that contract. He's entitled to the money, and he's entitled to the job. You know, it's not like it's not like the guy's given up seven goals a game, and 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 you know, and he's been hurt, and, and you know, the guy's still willing to go out there and play every day. He practices every day. He's the last guy off the ice at practice because he's because he's a third goalie. Now that's usually how it is. But, you know, from his standpoint, you're looking at it from an organizational standpoint. And as a Ranger fan, yeah, of course, it would be awesome if Lundqvist would either accept a trade or retire. That'd be great. But from his standpoint, hey, wait a second here. You know what? My agent said, will you pay me $8.5 million on an average salary for seven years or eight years, whatever the, whatever the contract was? And, they, and, the league, and the team said, absolutely, we will. Okay, so what do you want the guy to do? Just say, okay, I'm going to walk. And again, I said he can walk away from $5 million. And again, he's going to get taxed on it so heavily in New York. It's only going to be $2.5 million. The guy's made over probably $175 million in his career. I mentioned all those things. But the bottom line is he still owed that money. You know, he's owed that money. No, and, and, I, and I would never begrudge a, an athlete for trying to get theirs. And they, he definitely deserves it for, you know, his performance over the, you know, geez, I mean, he's 38 years old over the last 18 years. It seems like, you know, Henrik Lundqvist has been at the top of his game. Like there hasn't really been a season where like, ah, you know, he struggled this year. I mean, he never had that. So I, I listen, I love the guy. I love his consistency. I love, you know, that he bleeds, you know, New York Rangers and he has every right to stick around. But at the same time, if he sticks around, he's not going to have the optics that, you know, a Derek Jeter has or an Eli Manning has. He's not going to get that. He He's going to turn into an eyesore. Fans are going to start to get pissed. And they're start, I think fans right now realize, like, all right, we, we're, we're moving on without Lundqvist. Like, we have Igor. We have Georgiev. We, we have our two young stud goalies. We're, we're all set. And maybe the hardest department to address in, in, in the NHL is goaltending. I mean, how many... Look at the Philadelphia Flyers. For years, they had great teams. No goaltending. Rangers have been spoiled with it. We have our goaltending for the future. Uh, and listen, if you were Henrik Lundqvist, I don't think it's that big of a deal to move on to maybe an avalanche, you know, an avalanche team and and go chase a cup. I mean, a lot of great players had to do that. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, the player that didn't do it, Matt Sundin, at least off the top of my head. I mean, he stuck around with the Toronto Maple Leafs all those years, and he was a great Swedish player, uh, won a gold medal. You know, Hank has his gold medal. But, you know, you got players like Ray Bork who, you know, couldn't get the job done in his hometown. He went to Colorado. He got a Stanley Cup. And does anyone really say anything? Does anyone knock Bork for, you know, going to chase that cup? I, well, I just don't see why don't, Henrik wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to leave uh, Andrew out of the conversation here. But as far as that's <laughs> concerned, 
I think it's different now because when Ray Bork went to the Avalanche, going into the playoffs, you pretty much knew the Avalanche were going to make a run. They were going to have a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup. Today, when the playoff, the day the playoffs start, you have no idea. But look what happened last year. You know, Tampa Bay get knocked out in the first round. Well, I think all four divisional winners got knocked out in the first round. So it's not like you can say, all right, I'm going to go here and I'm going to have a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup. You don't know that anymore. You don't know that. You know, who picked, even forget about the fact that St. Louis was in last place on January 1st. Forget about that. When the playoffs started, who had St. Louis winning the Stanley Cup last year? You, you tell me you have somebody who's not a St. Louis fan that had that figured out, you know, that, no way. So it's so much different now that it's, it's very, very difficult to sit here and say, you know what, I'm willing to accept the trade, but I really want a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup. Where are you going? Where are you going this year? If, if you think you, I, I, wanna, I, have, I, I really want to have a really good chance to win the Cup, where are you going? No well, I only, said, I only said that because again, this year. I mean, I only said that because at the Avalanche needed goaltending. They unfortunately had their, you know, had their starter go down. So they, they had an opening there and, you know, there were rumblings, but, you know, Andy, you probably heard me say this a, a million times about the, you know, Henrik Lund- Lundqvist situation, but, you know, obviously it affects the growth of the future of the New York Rangers. I mean, obviously having his money come off the books would be, you know, huge for us. Andy, where do you see this playing out? Where do you see the, you know, the Rangers, uh, you know, you know, how are they moving forward? Because there's also, you know, their, you know, defense needs to be addressed with, you know, Mark Stahl having 5.7, uh, you know, next year. Like there, there are some moves that the Rangers are still going to have to make. I mean, Brendan Smith with 4.35, like they're going to have to eventually phase these players out and sooner rather than later, they're going to have to to make moves unless they really truly just want to ride all these things out. But I think it's a waste of time when you have guys like Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, and, you know, you know, some stud forwards like Capo Caco, you know, still getting, you know, the uh, entry level contract, you know, hit, hit in the books. So I just feel like it's almost a waste of time to wait these contracts out. You got to put pressure on some of these guys to make decisions on what they want to do in their career. I mean, Mark Stahl, man, he he's struggling. And he has nights where he can, you know, maintain his positioning and, and his positioning and knowledge can get him, you know, through a game. But there are some nights where he's just exposed for exactly what he is. And it's an old beat up defenseman that played too many minutes and, and a hard nosed style for so many years under Tortorella. I mean, that's just what it is. And with one eye. Yeah, one <laughs> eye, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a shame because they, they've been showing, uh, MSG has been showing past Rangers playoff series uh, all for the last two weeks and uh, watching some of that series versus uh, not the, not the, the latter in, in 20 uh, the 2015 season, but versus Washington in, in uh, 2012. And I was what, you know, watching Mark play there. He almost looks like a different player, but you just can see the, the playing through the concussions and the eye thing. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's just too many miles, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the goaltending goes there, there's an expansion draft looming next summer and, and yes, Lundqvist technically comes off the books, but I don't know what their cutoff is because you do have to expose a goaltender for that. And if you, a player has a no movement, then they're forced, you're forced to use a protection slot on them. So yeah, I don't know if, if he, if they are content to try to go with the, the three goalie carousel again, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what, uh, creative accounting they would have to do to make sure that Georgiev they don't lose Georgiev to expansion for nothing 
because uh, obviously Shesterkin is getting one of those uh, protections. You know, I don't also we don't know if they're going to do it the same way uh, that it was for for Las Vegas when they came in, where you get to choose your scenario between uh, protecting, you know, more defensemen or more uh, forwards. So, yeah, but I mean, this is yet another uh, thing that has to factor into their decision making. And obviously between the three goaltenders, uh, one more year of Mark and uh, and uh, excuse me, Brendan Smith and uh, Tony, <laughs> you know, Tony over far exceeding expectations uh after taking a a quick bridge deal yeah it's just there's a lot of players are are due to either they have to make decisions on they're either due to be resigned they're due for a raise uh and yeah so the rangers are gonna have to make some tough decisions i my only prediction is that i think what they'll make one trade that fans aren't uh exactly ecstatic with and uh I know it, it's it's strange to say this, but don't I wouldn't I honestly wouldn't be surprised if if some point next next season or even the summer Tony gets moved to try to upgrade at other positions. But you know, interesting. So uh, real quick, yeah. um, so Shesterkin is not uh, he's protected from the draft. He can't be drafted. Yeah, not, they don't need oh, to protect him because right. he's still on his ELC. And yeah. Lundqvist, his contract will have expired at the end, whenever their last game is next year. So he's not he's not eligible to be drafted either. Uh, so they, the one slot that they do have, they, if Georgiev is still a Ranger, that's nice. The, they can use that. on him. So they're actually going to have Excellent. to sign somebody. I know they signed like JF Barubi. They're going to have to get him some. Yeah. Games. He's got NHL experience. They have you have to expose one goalie, and, and all the yeah. rules are exactly the same for the draft. It's seven, three, and one, or nine, I think, or eight. Uh, so you can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, or you can just protect a total of I think it's nine. Um, yeah. So same rules. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, the guys that were under contract at the time, you know, um, uh, obviously Zabanajad, Kreider, Truba, those guys are going to be protected. Fox, I believe, also is not eligible. This is his first year, so he won't. He doesn't have to be protected. He's exempt. Um, so as far as the goalie situation, yeah, they're going to have to plug the goalie in to be eligible for the draft. They're not going to lose a goalie. My guess in this expansion draft is they're either going to lose a Lieber Hayek or a Brett Howden. Those, those are the two guys who I think they're probably – I mean, you're going to lose somebody. Every team's going to lose a player. You got to lose somebody. Everybody's like, "Oh, we don't want to lose this guy." We don't, you got to lose somebody. You're not, you know, you're not going to give up a, a 25 or 27 year old player. You, you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up one of those guys. So, uh, I think Hayek's played 40 games between last year and this year, so he'll be eligible. Howden's played plenty of games, so one of those two guys is probably going to go in the expansion draft. Now let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the forward situation, and obviously we need a ton more depth. I mean, what the Rangers have right now on the offense is certainly not what they're going to be doing if they're going to. They plan on making uh, any deep, you know, playoff pushes. Who knows this year if they would have made it? Uh, I, I mean, realistically, they would have never made it past the first round if they did make the playoffs. They would have had to either face, you know, a Washington team or um, a uh, or a, a Tampa or Boston. Uh, I believe it was Boston at first, but you know, they would have never won that round realistically, but you know, there's going to have to be some moves made. Brendan Lemieux really struggled. I don't see him realistically becoming a New York Ranger long-term. I don't think he'll be in the picture. Unfortunately, I kind of like his game. It's a little bit chippy. It's a little bit edgy. You like having those guys on your fourth line. Uh, He's only 24 years old. So, you know, he was still very young. Um, You know, Heedle, listen, I love Heedle as a center. I don't know if he's ready to be a second line center. If this is what we're going to do and get rid of Strom, TD, we spoke about Dvorak 
a possible, you know, candidate for, you know, for Rangers to bring in and, and get some depth at the center. What do you think the Rangers need to do, you know, and address first with their forwards? Well, they definitely need they need, they need a center. And you know what they need more than anything else is a face-off guy. They are so bad. They are dead last in face-offs. They've given up the most goals off of face-offs in their zone than any other team in the league the last two years. They are dreadful in the face-off circle. And, you know, that's, that's not a knock-on to Banajad, uh, you know, because he's been okay. And Howard was very, very decent last year, but had really struggled this year. Um, strong, it's below average. It's like, you know, low 40%. Uh, so they, they need somebody in the face-off circle, particularly in the defensive zone, because they are just getting killed. Um, and, I, and I did mention this to you, and I you know I did a lot of research. I'm trying to find, you know, it, it's easy to say, just go out and get Sidney Crosby and give him a bag of pucks. It doesn't work that way, as we all know. You've, you've got to put together a trade that works for everybody. Now, Arizona right now is that is they are at the top of the list on the cap. They, are the, they have the worst cap uh, in, in the league right now. They are number one as far as bad cap. Um, they have Taylor Hall coming up as a UFA, and next year, four of their top six defensemen are all UFAs. So if they plan on being around and, and, and continuing the build of their team, now it's difficult for them to say we're going to give up our second-line center um, because you know you they're, they're building towards something as well. But if you have that much cap trouble, what do you do? Do you, do you hold on to Dvorak and, and lose Taylor Hall or lose one of those big defensemen next year? Um, or do you say, you know what, the Rangers are offering me a first-round pick that they got from Carolina and either Elias Anderson or one of the, one of the 2D, one of the Rykoff or, or, or Lieber Hayek. We're going to offer you that for Dvorak because he slots into a second-line center. I think he'd be perfect for the Rangers. He's got size. He's a really good skater, very good in the face-off circle, probably immediately steps into the number one face-off role as a Ranger. Um, you know, he's been – he's – Probably be right now about a 40 to 45 point guy in the NHL. He scored 100 points in the OHL a couple of years in a row. One year he had 120 points. Um, now that doesn't mean he's going to score 120 points in the NHL, but what it tells you is he's, he does have a knack for scoring. I think if you put him on a line with Panarin, um, I, I really think that he could then become a 50 to 60 point guy, really good faceoff guy. He's been healthy. He hasn't really missed any games since he's been, been in the league. I think he's a perfect fit for the Rangers just because of the fact that. Arizona's in trouble with, with the cap. The Rangers have the assets that they could use to get him, and he's only four and a half million dollars. Ryan Strom's going to get a lot more than four and a half million dollars based on the fact that he had what sixty. He's on, on pace for 70, 75 points this year. Um, I, I think he'd be a better fit than Strom would. I, I think Strom, granted, he had a very good year this year, and I think pretty much anybody playing with Panarin had a pretty good year the way that guy played this year. Um, but I think that uh, I think that. Picking up a 24-year-old center who, again, fits right into that mold of, of who the Rangers are. He's making $4.5 million. He's signed for five years. Uh, perfect cap fit for them. Replaces Strom, who I think he would be at least as good. But I think, again, I think Strom's going to get a big payday, and I don't think the Rangers can afford him. And if he goes back to being the Strom he's been for the previous four years, then we're, then we're really in trouble. So I think it's time to cut your losses with, with a guy like Ryan Strom and – Trade him. Maybe you get something decent back for him. Like I said, 
if you're if, if, if Jeff Gordon's making the deal, it's going to be a good one because that guy trades the trades that he's made. You know, trading Rick Nash and getting Ryan Linder and, and ended up with Condre Miller as their draft pick for, for Rick Nash, who played about what 15 games for the Bruins and then retired. He trades like that, so he he'll get something for Strom, just like he did. You know, he got something really good, I think, for Brady Shea getting a first round pick. And getting him off the books because I don't think he was a five and a quarter million dollar player whose who's no trade was kicking in. So I think he'll get something good for Strom. And I think if you can get Dvorak and, and give up that second first round pick that you have this year uh, from Carolina, and, and like I said, either Elias Anderson or a Lieber Hayek or, or uh, Rykov, one of those two young defensemen, that helps them. Uh, that helps Arizona get younger. You know, they, got a, they don't have a first round pick. They already traded it this year in the Taylor Hall deal. So they get a first round pick back. They get a player in depth, either at center or a defenseman, and that allows them a little bit more cap space in order for them to sign Taylor Hall and keep their four D that are all uh, UFAs next year. Yeah, I mean it makes sense across the board. I mean, especially for the New York Rangers, Andy. I mean, what are your thoughts on Strom? I know we d- we've discussed this in the past so many times because he was a you know a uh, certainly a player whose name was getting thrown around at the last year's trade deadline. You know, what are your thoughts on Strom? Because I do think if the Rangers don't address the center position, that it makes sense just to try to keep Strom around. I don't know. Is he eligible for arbitration? He is. So, yeah. I don't. I realistically, I don't know what he'd get. I mean, aren't you paid based off your, your past performances? I know, you know, the Rangers are immediately going to say, well, you're playing with a top two player in the in the National Hockey League, a top two forward with Artemi Panarin. Like, that's why your, your points are, you know, you know where they are and look at your past when you didn't play with a player like that you've done nothing so i don't know like if he's you know really ready to go against the rangers in terms of negotiations with his contract i think he might want more term than anything rather than the amount of money because he's finally found a you know a home in which he's had some success i think he realizes what he is and that's more of a depth guy a cerebral guy that you know knows the game that can play a smart game he's not a liability on the ice uh you know he can make the point to work on his face-offs and become you know at least a 55 you know percent face-off guy and maybe even play a third fourth line center role depending on what you get out of Heedle and if the Rangers you know bring in a player like Dvorak yeah I mean it's it's tough because I you know I it's People obviously say, well, Strom played with Panarin, uh, you know, and he had his season. But, you know, I don't think Ryan Strom had, you know, factored into that like nil. I think he, you know, was definitely a big part of it. And his, you know, he's a he kind of is what he is. He's a pretty smart, uh, heady center who can make uh, who's got a good mind for the offensive side of the game, who can make plays, you know, and even I think even towards the end of the season, every now and then Quinn would have him uh, out in important defensive situations. You know, I think he struggled at times in that role, but it's definitely not his uh, his bread and butter. But I mean, I think he acquitted himself nicely. But, you know, again, that being said, it's obviously very important that this a, a fantastic season playing with Panarin doesn't eat it. it yeah, that the cap hit doesn't outpace his value and. Uh, to you know, to Tom's point is that you know a player like Dvorak who could bring an extremely important dimension who is and not that Strom's old what he's twenty six or twenty seven, uh, but you know yeah but you know a Dvorak who player is right and seems to be right age wise in that wheelhouse where the Rangers are trying to populate their picks that they've kind of isolated you know via trades some of the players they've been looking to at getting so yeah it just it's 
it almost makes too much sense to to try to you know take what this I guess you can call equity that has been added to Strom this year playing with Panarin and even though he's very good I mean you know and that's obviously only that's contingent on only being able to find a deal that makes sense because you know they I don't think every center in the National Hockey League would flourish with Panarin they might do good but I could definitely see it sometimes not it just not going as well in that they don't their just game doesn't mesh with his but um yeah I mean I, you know, I know you and I kind of, I think we, we both respect what Strom has done. You just know that I have a reticence about, I do worry that he might turn back into a pumpkin at some point or his performance might slip. And now you're stuck with a guy who is getting paid based on the promise of what he did in a season with Panarin, thinking that he'll be your stopgap two C and it's more likely he's giving, he's giving you a three C performance at that cap hit. And yeah, that's a, that's definitely a worry of mine, but. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but you know, I, I'm definitely, I would definitely agree that you know, if it, if the choice, to sh- if they need to shed salary and they look at who is up for a big payday between him and a guy like Tony, I mean, I can easily tell you who I, who I'm, I'm sending off in a box, you know. No, absolutely, and you know, obviously, we're 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 you know running out of time here, TD. You know, just. You know, in general, where do you see the Rangers next year? I know, uh, you know, this year they overachieved. I, I don't think that they'll have the same success as they will uh, this year. I think teams will be uh, more in tune to, you know, know what the Rangers are about. Obviously, you know, they know they have two really strong top lines, you know, driven by Panarin and Zibanejad. They have some good young, talented defensemen, tough defensemen uh, that, you know, can play a physical game and, and you know, and they obviously have really strong goaltending with uh, Igor and Georgie and, and even Hank, you know, when he's played. I, I don't necessarily blame uh, Lundqvist for, you know, the struggles he had this year. I, I thought it was kind of cruel to just throw him in the woods, uh, throw him into the cave with the Lions and, uh, and and see what he has. I mean, the one game against St. Louis, you know, really rings a bell where, you know, you're playing against the defending Stanley Cup champions. And, you know, and, and goaltending is all about reps and and, and you know, feeling comfortable in net and I just felt like at times you know they threw him in goal and he just was not feeling that but uh you know overall I do think the Rangers are going to digress next year I think they're going to be worse I just I just don't see this magic happening twice in a row in a league that's constantly changing getting better uh with newer younger players so what are your thoughts uh heading into next season well, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to disagree with you. I think that the uh, you know, the fact that Panarin obviously had a fantastic year uh, and, and he's the exception. I think Truba had a rough start. I think he played very well down the stretch. I think the guys that are that all the all the experience, you know, playing together. I mean, James, you you played you, you know, you played hockey from youth through college. You you know what it's like. Chemistry in hockey is more important than anything else. When when you have, you know, a 30% roster turnover going into this year. Um uh, this current season, New Rangers had a really rough start. If they had Shesterkin from day one and was it, and he played the way he did, you know, everywhere else he played in Hartford and then obviously coming up playing, I think the Rangers are already in the playoffs this year. I think if, if things go the way we expect them to and what we've talked about, that Lundqvist is not there next year. Shesterkin's playing 50 to 55 games. Georgia's backing up and, and, and playing 25 games. I think the Rangers are a playoff team next year. And that's going to depend on a couple of important things. Obviously, number one, always is is health. You know, again, they don't have the depth. If if a if a Zabanajad, a Kreider, 
a Panarin, who's never really been hurt. But if any of those guys go down for 20 or 25 games, then then all bets are off. But that's obvious. But that, and that goes for a lot of teams. Um, but I, I really think the Rangers have actually, I think they've learned how to win as a team somewhat. You know, and it took a long, it took them 25 to 30 games to really start to get going. Um, but I think, you know, I think if the, if the season ended up continuing the way it had, I think they had a really good chance to get in. They were playing good hockey. Shesterkin was playing very, very well. Georgiev had a couple of bad games during that stretch when Shesterkin after the car accident. Uh, and if he's in there, maybe they win those games. And maybe right now they're sitting in a spot where they're actually in uh, and not out. I, I think I think that a couple more moves, you know, another year of experience for some of these younger kids. Um, one guy that I, I kind of feel a little bit disappointed about is Buchnevich. We didn't really you know, talk about him too much. If they ended up moving him this year, it wouldn't break my heart either. I just feel that like he's kind of an up and down guy, and you know, you, you can kind of see him on the bench. He's kind of, you know, when he misses the net by three feet, he's got his head down. And, you know, I, I hate that kind of attitude on the bench. I want to see a guy who, who just wants to get back out there, and, you know, and, and make it right the second time, as opposed to whining to himself about the fact that he missed. Um, so I wouldn't mind him. Uh, you know, if he moved on, it wouldn't break my heart. Um, but I think that I think everything that that Gordon's doing as far as building is is heading in the right direction. I think. Again, if you look where this team was three or four years ago, I think five years ago, McElrath was playing uh, on the wing for, for one, one or two games because they had no cap space and no forwards. So when you think about what they've done with, with the transition from the date of the letter to now, it's not a long time. This was not a very good team two years ago. Um, it was a team that was getting older. It was a team that was, again, again not a lot of cohesiveness. I think right now, I think they're going in the right direction. I, I think next year, there will be a playoff team. All right. And I'm not saying that the team won't be better overall. I'm just saying that in terms of in terms of maybe the amount of games that they win, I just don't I don't see I just think that the unfortunately the Metro is too too competitive and it'll be tough to repeat what they did this year. Uh I and again, this all depends on, you know, the moves they make during the offseason. And you know, I mean, if you're telling me they're drafting, you know, you know, I don't know what what they're going to do with the draft, but if you're telling me they you know win the lottery and are dropping to, drafting top three and they and they have a couple picks and they're moving them to bring in a certain guy like Dvorak and they you know they gain some depth up front, um, you know they buy out you know stall you know there's so many things that could happen so don't hold me yeah, to my words that they're yeah there's so many variables yeah. and, and, and I mean they have a full year of Igor which is as yes. their right number one which is a big big factor I mean that's a big factor, you know I mean right I. I yeah, they even though it was obviously we had two different sample sizes, you know, pre and post car accident. I think I, I just on a whim I pulled up his like expect wins against replacement, like for in terms of how much uh, high danger chances he faced, and yeah, it's just kind of like uh, eerily similar to the Hank of old. And just you look at some of the results in some games where like based on you know some of the shots they gave up that they probably could have or should have lost and. He just he definitely has that effect on them that he that he used to where he just slows the game down and it, he just kind of settles everything down because he doesn't give up rebounds pucks stick to him and yeah his just his in game management is is absolutely fantastic so I think a full year of that will at least at, you know is a is a definitely a check in the in the plus column you know but to your point James you're absolutely right I think teams are not going to sleep on. Uh, one or of the Rangers two top lines anymore. Whereas they might've thought like, all right, we have to shut down Panarin during the course of the year. And then Zabanajad was just feasting towards the end where everyone just thought he was like the, the second line, you know, or that the first line that was actually your shutdown line, you know? So, but uh, 
yeah, it, it, it'd definitely be interesting. And you, ever, you, you're both are right that obviously I, you know, with everything going on right now, you would hope it doesn't really impede uh, GM's abilities to change things up and make moves because, you know, you could sense it was going to be a big summer for Jeff Gordon just after whether they made it into the playoffs or not, just kind of being able to assess the field and what he has to do and uh, where he seems to flourish is, you know, picking up that phone and being able to find, uh, you know, players that he likes and, and, and make trades for them without getting absolutely robbed. So, yeah, but we'll see. All right. Well, TD, I want to thank you for joining us. And, you know, we're gonna, definitely going to have to have you back on because there's so many things that, you know, looking back that I wish we touched on. So, uh, you know, fortunately, there's not really much happening in the hockey world. So, I mean, hopefully we can have you on sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, hopefully by then we'll even know, you know, what the state of the NHL will be, uh, whether or not they try to, you know, squeeze in a playoff in the summer or they just cancel the season altogether and just reboot for next year and, and, and try to just concentrate on, uh, you know, the health of the players and, and just make sure everything's right with the fans and, and everything's all good with this, uh, you know, virus. So again, thank you for coming on. And we had, sure I had a lot. The, uh, the only thing I like more than, uh, uh, playing hockey and watching hockey is talking about it. So it was a really a, a fantastic uh, opportunity for me to come on with you guys and talk about the sport that we love and the team that we love. And uh, I look forward to doing this again. Awesome. Andy, would you like to sign us off here? Yeah. So yeah, again, thank you everyone to listening to us. Uh, we, James and I have uh, many wonderful interviews like you heard uh, today coming down the pike. So yeah, just continue to stay tuned. We'd like to thank our, our sponsors, uh, Manscaped uh, for, yeah, for their patronage. Their new lawnmower 3.0 is awesome. So everyone check it out and use promo code THPN at uh, checkout um, for some uh, excellent discounts. And yeah, also to our sponsor, Southern Scholar uh, Dress Socks. They are a uh, subscription service for men's dress socks. And uh, yeah, right now we're having a little giveaway where if you send us a picture of your ugliest pair of socks uh to our twitter page just you know whether they have holes in them they're dirty they're ugly they're islander socks whatever uh send us a picture of your ugliest pair of socks and if you're selected you will win a free subscription box from southern scholar dress socks so be sure to do that and uh we always wrap these podcasts up the same way so in honor of our guest today it's td season Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.